0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, Hitting the gym or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on here? I'm here with a special guest. He's the CEO At Magic on Tap is a marketing machine working with some of the top companies in the world. Apple, Microsoft, and some shows you might have heard of, such as Breaking Bad, and much more. He's one of the most genuine and kind-hearted people I know. Welcome my friend from over the pond, Peter Swain. How are we doing, Peter? Thanks, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be with you and everyone listening. Yeah, we're excited to have you here on the Clocked In podcast. So, Tell people where are you located? What's going on with you? And where where did your story start?
1: Yeah, so I'm based in the UK, um, but I tend to work American hours, so I'm not quite sure what time it is at any given time. To be totally honest, uh, but I started coding when I was six. To be honest, um, because I was a, I was an only child, and so I wanted a brother. My my mum told me I couldn't get one from the shops, so I tried to code one, and it was. <laughs> the mother of all if then statements. It was like hundreds of lines of if I say this, it should say this, Um, but it kind of captured me. So I sold my first application when I was 12. Um, I got uh, thrown out of college um, because I failed my IT uh, amusingly um, because I didn't agree with the teacher at the time. Um, And then I went to a trade show and I picked up this flyer. It was on a yellow piece of paper at the PC World User Show And the flyer was for the internet, this thing, this new technology called the internet. Um, And I was hooked. I was hooked from day one. um, And I saw that it was going to change the world. So I became a a web developer. Um, I was one of the first web developers in the world. I worked on uh, Yelp.com in the States in 1990. Two, I believe before internet explorer existed before yahoo yahoo did exist yahoo had its 32nd we were the 32nd link on yahoo um And at the time it was just a homepage. It was just one page of a list of links and we were number 32 um So yeah, since then i've done 100 i've done about 1250 digital projects now I've worked for rural families governments huge companies shows like breaking bad as you said um solopreneurs Um, And everything in between, as long as it's kind of up until November 2018, as long as it was intellectually challenging, I was in. Um, So, yeah, I've worked across every continent apart from uh, Antarctica. So I'm still trying to pick up a project there. Um, Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
0: I, I love it. And so when you started, so you mentioned about the World Wide Web in 1992, you were helping Yelp. Yeah, what gave you the wherewithal to know to make that jump? Because that seems completely in the unknown. This is a space that no one even took on until 2000 and 1998, right? Like, wasn't that when it was kind of coming in, people were getting excited? They weren't even in personal laptops or anything.
1: No, there wasn't. I mean, we were on 9K modems, (laughs) 9.6K modems at the time. And it was, what got me to it was when I was, When I was young, my dad used to travel a lot. He was a a sales support guy for a big IT company. So I used to get a five minute phone call with my dad every week um, when he was traveling because that would cost like 50 bucks for that five minutes. So I had to kind of try and compress a week's worth of son and father into (laughs) five minutes. So, and I didn't. I don't think I realized it at the time. But looking back, that's what the technology meant to me. It was this ability for everybody in the world to connect with anybody else instantly. And I couldn't see how that was going to fail. And I was actually employed somewhere else, um, a a great company, that, and I was doing work for Formula One, for Williams Formula One, on laptop, multimedia laptop presentations for Formula One. And the I got this flyer. And I went to my boss at the time and said, are we going to go into this internet thing? And he said, no, Um, it'll never take off. Um, And it sounds ridiculous now, but at the same time, Bill Gates was standing on stage saying the internet is a dead duck, it'll never succeed. Um, Because he just bought a company called CompuServe. And CompuServe had a very structured view of how to share information online. There was like folders with files or folders with stuff inside it. Whereas the internet is obviously this kind of Chaotic thing. Um, so he said, "No, I'm not going to do it." So I handed him my notice there and then, um, <laughs> and went to the Internet World Show in London, the first ever one, and walked around every stand. Um, like I think it was like 60 stands there asking for a job, and 59 said no, um, which was not how I expected it to go. Um, I, you know, the the folly of youth. I thought I was just going to walk in. Um, and someone was going to give me a job, but they all said no. Um, and then the last, literally the last stand, I offered to work for free for two weeks um, and asked them just to pay for my train fare and my lunch so that I wasn't going to lose money so I could prove that I actually knew what I was doing because I had no degree, no qualifications, no background, no history, no nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up working free for two weeks. And Unfortunately, they, they took me onto the Yellow Pages project as a what would now be called like a solutions architect, like a guy that was trying to thread everything together and work
0: out how to actually make it work. Um, but this was all new at the time. Yeah, so I mean, no was, one it, knew it, any. No one knew any of the roles. No one really had qualified. Did anyone really have qualifications? No, not
1: at all. HTML one um, didn't even include support for images, <laughs> um, and we had to use the, the. This is ridiculous, but we had to use the dot of an I. To to draw logos pixel by pixel and then send them <laughs> to the front end. Um, like there was there was nothing. It was, it, and I'm really grateful for it because as we've gone through all these different evolutions in tech, and I moved from internet into mobile um, when I bought my first iPhone for exactly the same reason. But what it's led to is a really behavioral psychology perspective of things. Um, because the technology is just, to me, is now just a facilitator that just lets me achieve whatever kind of strategy goal I'm trying to achieve. So whether we're talking Facebook or Google or Pinterest or LinkedIn or TikTok, or it, it, it doesn't really matter. They're just tools that have their own quirks and their own techniques to them that you have to understand to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. But because I've been in there since for so long, it's like, yeah, OK, it's just another network. Yeah, it's just another algorithm. OK, fair enough. Well, how does this one work? Oh, it works like that. Oh, okay, great. Let's we'll do that one. So it's uh it's always it's always been that way of of just sitting at the front of it and just watching it and understanding that the technology is just an, a connector. That's all it all it's actually doing in its own way. It's just connecting you and me and and me and my mum and you and your listeners and and then understanding how the different platform that you're sitting in. How, how it wants to be rewarded. So what I mean by that is, if somebody's running ads on Facebook, they're quite often they're thinking about their goals, hopefully. Secondary, they're thinking about the customer, what the customer wants and how to, to talk to the customer. But very rarely do they stop and think of how Facebook, what's Facebook's goals in this equation. Yeah. And when you start seeing it from the perspective of the platform of what does Facebook want from this, this interaction, then you can optimize that. And that's actually the thing you really want to optimize the most.
0: Because um, then they'll reward you more for, and they'll put out your stuff more. Because well, they're, they're, like, they're, they're the ones
1: deciding how much visibility you get. They're the ones deciding how much it's going to cost you to get that visibility. So why would you want to deny them in your planning? You want to play nicely with them. I mean, people obviously have moral standpoints on this and facebook is yeah. this and facebook is that but that aside, if you're using it as a advertising platform and it's deciding how much it's going to cost and how effective it's going to be you might want to play inside their rules and inside their game instead of not instead of ignoring them
0: yeah so you mentioned that when you when there's a new platform it's just a technology so when you do those new platforms how do you know when it's time to jump in one and when it's time to I'm not sure if this is going to land or not, like because there's new social medias coming out all the time, so it, it makes it difficult because everyone's trying to rush to be the first to this next one. But who knows what's going to hit?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really good question, and I think your question comes from a more offline than online perspective. I was having this debate with somebody earlier on today, um, and it's when we're talking online. It, it's all about data and looking at data. So as soon as you can get data, as soon as you can get information, you can start making quantified decisions. So the decision, you, the way you phrased it was, how do you know? Well, try it. The, the okay. relative cost of of doing these things is so small in comparison to you know, more traditional Sorry. approaches. Yeah. You want to know if TikTok's going to work for you? Put five hundred bucks on TikTok. I mean, there's there's no easier answer than 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 try it
2: yeah. and
1: see what data you get back. A friend of mine used to be the VP of mobile for one of like one of the top ten tech firms, um, household name, and he had forty people that were each running an experiment every week. Um, and that could be like move the button to the left, move the button to the right, move it up, change the color, change the lap, make it bold. And every week they went, yeah, that resulted in a 0.08% average increase in behavior, or it didn't. So if it did, we keep it. And if it didn't, we've it. it. Um, so they ran, if you work that out, that means they ran approximately 2000 experiments per year. So... Every year, they were getting better by by the fact of 2000. And that only happens when you actually just try it. Yeah. Um, So there are, I mean, so yeah, I would literally say to everybody, if you don't get a strategy, borrow somebody else's strategy, model somebody else's strategy, and try it. And then if it shows great results, keep on doing what you're doing. If it shows moderate results, see if you can finesse it. And if it doesn't show any results, dump it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's huge for a lot of people because some everyone gets so comfortable with what they're doing. Like for example, I'm on, I have, uh, I promote a lot of my stuff on Instagram, but I have a buddy who's on TikTok, and he's just been posting about New York City, and he's up to seventy thousand followers just like that because a couple videos go viral, and he's like, "Dude, it's working." So you might as well try these different platforms and jump to them.
1: Yeah. However. I would never say that the follower the follower metric, you know, there's a phrase vanity metrics. And yeah. the follower metric is a vanity metric. It's like I've got a hundred thousand followers. Great. Yeah. Now, sadly that will probably get you an interview in Forbes or Entrepreneur because the vanity metric is still a currency that can be traded. Yeah. But the true the true number is how many of how many of those can be turned into something, a meaningful conversation. Yeah. I would rather have one meaningful conversation than a million followers any day of the year.
0: So, how would you go about if you like? If I was to build social, like, how would I go about knowing if they're going to be valuable conversations or not? Is basically my question.
1: Yeah, you you start sending them from your social to other to other sites to other pages, and you and you start looking at the click through rates. Okay. So then, so, and then okay, so you're now getting them off that network. Onto, onto your, onto your landing pages, onto your site, where you're asking for an email subscription or you're asking for some kind of a call to action. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, I've got nothing against seventy thousand followers on TikTok; it's fantastic. The thing that hasn't really been quantified yet by the market as a whole is how how much you can get back out of TikTok, um, because. TikTok is an irreverent five-second swipe, 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 swipe. Ha ha, yeah. that's funny. Next video, ha ha, that's funny. How are people
0: getting clients? Yeah,
1: yeah. How is that actually translating for the larger companies? Um, brand awareness is certainly part of it. So, like when the, the Breaking Bad project you referred to, we did the mobile app for them um, when we were running the mobile agency. Um, we almost didn't do it because they they pitched. Sony called me and pitched the show. I think it was Sony. Um, and they said, we want to do this app. It's a little bit crazy. It's going to start with a guy with a hood. He's going to wear like a sackcloth. And you take it out and he's in a trailer. And you've got to click on the objects, tap on the objects on the screen to work out how to get out the trailer.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, And it's called Breaking Bad. And I went, that sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> um,
1: that will never take off. But sure, we'll do it. Um, so yeah, I'm glad I was wrong, obviously. Because I'm glad I said yes. Um, but for them, something like TikTok would be incredibly successful. Yeah. But but they've got the budget to to kind of get a mass permutation to get like a really blanket reach of reinforcing that name in your head. Yeah. Whereas somebody else that's more regional or somebody that's got a smaller thing it's
0: gonna I I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to work I'm saying it's going to be very specific. Yeah. So when you get these crazy projects like the Breaking Bad one, first of all, how are you sourcing for them? And are people coming to you and then when do you decide to take a project or not take a project?
1: So my criteria for that has changed massively. Um, so up to November 2018, how did I decide to take a project was predominantly how how challenging and how interesting it was. Yeah. Um, and that led to, when we, you know, when we spoke before this, some of the crazy yeah. stories that I tell, that led to all these kind of crazy, well, you did what? You did what? like <laughs> so, so, because I became known for having in the areas that I operated, I became known for being the guy that you call when you've got something that is unachievable or crazy or ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I would be putting like, it's just like you, you build, I, I once built, um, for example, an a system for a large government agency that cost several hundreds of thousands of dollars that had, publishers content editors and everything in between and it's one job was actually to control access to the to to the access door code yeah because it was a consortium of companies and they didn't know who actually worked for them (laughs) Um, and they couldn't work out how to get these five companies to tell them who actually worked for them Um, yeah like a multi-billion dollar project but because they were all working in a secure location, they all needed the door code, and the door yeah. code changed every week. So if we put the door code on the secure website, people would have to log into the secure website to get the door code, and then we could tell the company how many people of what who actually worked. Yeah,
0: yeah, and who's who, and who's yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's just like a, a very that's one of a dozen examples of where you end up doing this kind of huge digital project but actually your your goal is actually incredibly specific but you have to build everything else out yeah to get that one thing in otherwise it's very apparent to everybody what you're actually doing we've built multi engines for that we've built email chains for that you, you i mean get that. it
0: because it's so behind no one understood that that was the actual goal they just thought hey we're trying to make it more secure and you're like no we need to know who's who works here
1: <laughs> yeah so they they came to me with we need to know who works here And our budget to achieve that is $200,000. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm I'm like, well, why can't we do this? No, we tried that. Why can't we do this? No, we tried that. Why can't we do this? No, we tried that. Okay. Well, then let's make the door code, which is the one point of ingress and egress, a protected asset and give them access to it that way. Then they have to do it. So it becomes... A lot of digital projects, a lot of projects are like that, but a lot of digital projects are like that where you're building out something really big, but you've actually only got a very intentional goal. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, to me, the most fun because then your definition of success becomes really quite tight. Did yeah. we achieve X, Y, Z? Yes or no. If we did, great. If we didn't, no, that didn't work. Um, but then prior to November, so November 2018, I did a project that I wasn't particularly proud of. Um, we did very well but it wasn't helping somebody that I thought actually looking back on it should be helped. Okay. Um, And when I realized where we were at combined with the fact that I'd just had um, my first child, my daughter would have been like one at that time. Yeah. uh, I realized that myself, a lot of people, but I realized I got really good at doing what I was doing, but I'd never put a, a moral compass over the top of doing what I was doing. Yeah. So I was pursuing things that were intellectually interesting, not necessarily what I felt would make the
0: world a better place. And this um, this occurred due to your daughter or just kind of like everything all at once?
1: It was a weird thing. Like I saw the results of this really successful project and everyone yeah. in the office was celebrating. And I kind of had this flash forward of having to tell my daughter at some point in the future how we earn our money and how we became successful right. and I didn't want to tell her that this is how I did it. it because it didn't stack up with my vision of what being a good father is um you know that's so, incredible
0: i love that yeah i
1: tried to teach her you know to be morally upstanding to you know walk away to confront bullies to you know to to as every i hope as every father does yeah. like try you try and build an exemplary human being and then you look back at your own behavior and go well that's not cool that doesn't match the narrative I'm trying to give my kids. Um, and I have a rule where, wherever possible not to lie. So at some point I'm gonna to have to tell her and I don't wanna tell her I did this. So how can I carry on working in that mode if I don't wanna tell her that I'm that's what I'm doing? So I quit the agency I was running at the time. Um, we closed it down. Um, and I spent um, a couple of years in the world of personal development and Tony Robbins and Sean Callagy at Unblinded um, and really dived into working out how I could do what I do but do it for people that I want to do it for. Yeah. So my criteria now is not how intellectually challenging it is but how much I perceive that that person, company should flourish. because. Digital is the ultimate accelerant. It, if it's done properly, it can make anything big. Um,
2: yeah,
0: which means you've got to make sure you get the right things big.
2: Yeah, and not doing.
0: So right. Okay, and one of the big things I want to note there from what everyone, from what Peter was saying, is that he's very solution oriented. The person presented him with many problems, and he kept looking for a solution. And that's a very big key to being successful but also the change. So when you decided to step away, did you, was there a financial barrier at that time? Or you were just like, hey, I'm having a conflict and I need to be my true self. And then why do we also choose uh, Tony Robbins? Those three questions in one.
1: Um, So was there a financial barrier? Yeah, Um, it it cost. I had to borrow money on houses and move stuff around to make it work. so yes, there was. Um, I can tell you that I'm now less financially successful than I was. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think that will be the case in a year or two years time. But right now, I'm definitely, I'm definitely worse off. But I perceive personally that I'm better off because I don't think your quality of life changes until you're kind of adding a zero. Like, I think if you're on 100k a year or 200k a year, I think you're roughly living in roughly the same place, roughly the same neighborhood. Kids are going to roughly the same school. You're probably going to roughly the same place on holiday. You probably drive roughly the same car. There is definitely a difference between the 100k a year and the million a year. And there's definitely a difference between the million a year and the 10 million a year, et cetera, et cetera. But I lived, as I said, I lived in the Middle East for close onto a decade. And I can tell you not this isn't like a hundred percent rule, but almost everybody I've met, as they add a zero onto their net worth, they seem to take a zero off their morality. Um, to be most people, not not everybody, but to to be to be at that top level of success, the human capital, the human cost of your decisions can't factor into your decisions anymore. Um, and Every industry has the same thing. This is not just like digital. Construction industries have a budget for how many people will die on a big construction job because they fall off of this or they fall off that. You you have to make that choice. Like you can't, it's just, you know, if you've got 3,000 people working on a building, some people are going to fall off. That's kind of, it's just going to happen. But it just becomes a line item on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, of the cost of the insurance to cover that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you desensitize yourself to, hang on a second, that was that was Bob. That was Jane. That was They were yeah, people that's a that happened to.
0: Yeah, it's terrible.
1: And if you're running 50 construction projects and two people, you lose two people on every one, well, that's 100 people you're going to lose now. Yeah. Um, so the further you go up, and I'm not saying it's intentional for everybody. I think it's very unintentional. The further you go up in your career, the more you're making choices that aren't about human impact and human growth. You're making choices about financial impact and financial growth. Yeah. Because if not, you're probably going to get fired. I, I, even a CEO with shareholders, if you're not returning X percent a bit there every month, every year, you're gonna you're not gonna lose you're gonna lose your role. Yeah. So if you start proposing 15 year initiatives for the environment or for equality and inclusion and diversity, yeah. it doesn't really sit well with the people that want a 4% return on their shares every year. So,
2: yeah.
1: And I, I that, so that's something I still battle with a lot of looking at everything going, okay, how are we going to do this? Is this right? Is this Is wrong? So that's the first question. Second question. What's your third question? Can you still remember?
0: Uh, yeah, I can.
1: <laughs> Why Tony Robbins? That was it. Um, yeah. So I, I, interestingly, I went there because I, um,
0: was it in the UK or was it in the US? Yeah, he was in the UK. Okay. Okay. It was like the
1: first one in the UK. And I went and I, I walked out halfway through the first day, and I called my <laughs> wife and said, This guy is full of cert yeah. blank hair. And my wife knows how to manipulate me in a very positive way. And she said, Didn't you tell me he's worth like six billion dollars? I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, and he he coaches like presidents, prime ministers sports yeah. athlete you know i'm like yeah and she's like, so is there a chance he knows one thing that you don't know i'm like mm, yeah and she's like well how about you hang around for the rest of the day and if you still want to leave then fair enough but go in and play for, not i mean i'm using tenor of yeah. language now but essentially go in and play full out and properly yeah. invest in it and then if you're not getting value from it leave um and yeah i stayed for the day and went okay i'm all in um i can't think of a better place to be that's kind of i like the fact that it's that tony robbins sells at the end of every seminar. i like the fact that it's a financial institution but i like the fact that it feels to me certainly like it's a very heart-centered financial institution Um, which is what i want to get to so it kind of matched
0: yeah oh so you saw your future in that
1: yeah, and I saw the plats and the lions at the front. Uh, um, so for anyone that doesn't know this, the, yeah. the kind of people at the front are pet, and I'm like, yeah, I
0: want to be in that group. Um, so, and what, what does that mean, a plat and a lion, just for the audience?
1: So a platinum is somebody that has spent uh, probably like a six-figure sum. Um, and For one
0: year or every year? one year, room, yeah.
1: Okay. And, and that gives them access to every event um, and gives them access to some other kind of private events as well. But it's more about the people you then spend the time with, um, and I—I'll I w- be totally honest. I probably shouldn't. I joined the Platinum Group to pitch business. Like that was my intention, <laughs> and it was—it was a bad strategy, and it didn't work because yeah. they—they're smart. They're smart, rich people that can see it a mile off. So it just didn't work.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but when I kind of dropped that and kind of engaged with it honestly and with integrity, um, was kind of one of the last parts of my. Not, I'm still evolving, but one of the last parts of that evolution, um, what I found was a group of people that thought differently, that wanted to make the world a better place, that were using their impact and and their finance to, to, to try and make the world a better place. And then the Lions are people that have gone from the exclusive Plat group to the uber-exclusive <laughs> um, Lion group, uh, which are, there's like 40 or 50. So in that in that group of people that are just people that are really committed to making themselves better um, yeah. and being, being better citizens of the planet and being better individuals for themselves and their families and simultaneously trying to make the world a better place and, and do the right thing and make good money while they do it. So,
0: yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, a lot of people would sit there and go, how could someone spend six figures on personal development? You know, cause it is a difficult concept. But a lot what a lot of people don't realize is once you invest in yourself, you learn so much about yourself, you learn about the network that you're a part of, and then you're it's gonna grow exponentially from there.
1: Yeah, the example I always like is and I and I do agree with you, and that I was kind of that mindset as well at the beginning, <laughs> but people will happily either spend or perceive the value of spending six figures on a Ferrari. Easily. But yeah, agreed, yeah. So yeah, but w- when you go, when you kind of deep, go deep into it, you're buying the Ferrari for the feeling the Ferrari gives you not to actually have the Ferrari itself. Oh yeah. So why not just teach yourself how to have that feeling instead of having to buy the Ferrari in the first place. And this is why Peter's the man. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and then it stays with you 24, seven, 365. I was on a call earlier and someone said, you know, it's a new year soon, a new beginning, a new start. And someone said, what do you think? Um, to me and I said it's a new beginning in five hours time (laughs) why are we waiting for five weeks
0: tomorrow's a new day I love that because I talked about it on my group call where we had um, everyone came on and we're like we were talking about that concept of some people want to rush and go yeah this next month and a half is a throwaway and people on the call are are saying today's the day pretend the new year is today we need to make a change today like nothing is going to change time is an idea but today is when things will change Yeah, i completely agree
1: and i think that's i think there are there are lots of people that go to lots of different personal development people i think some people get a lot from it i don't think everyone gets a lot from it um i think there's certain things that people need to change radically change their mindset on um one of which is i hope everybody gets super comfortable with failure like I want people to like celebrate when they fail. Um, because the analogy for me is how did you teach your child to walk? And the answer is you never taught your child to walk. Nobody ever got out a PowerPoint or a flip chart or a five-step process and sat down and put them in a chair and like lectured to your child, this is how you walk. The, your child taught themselves to walk by modeling you, number one. Number two, by being bored of the the – The where they were in the space. Uh, This is one of the things they think that most children might pick themselves up to just see more. But number three is because every time they fell over, you rushed over as a parent and gave them a massive hug and gave them a kiss and gave them a cookie and said, That was amazing. I'm so proud of you. Well, actually, it wasn't amazing. They sucked. Like it wasn't walking. Like it's the worst definition of walking ever. Like they stand up and they fall down. That's not walking. And I use that. And I know that kind of gets a kind of laugh from people, but now apply that to your working life, right? You don't get rewarded or congratulated when you try and fail, you get rewarded when you succeed. And yet we intrinsically know as, as, when, as humans, when we become parents, we know without ever being taught that when our kid stands up and walks and falls down, our requirement is to go and give them a hug and give them a kiss and give them a cookie or give them a glass of milk because we're giving them dopamine we're rewarding their nervous system for the effort and that then needs them to stand up and try and walk again because they know they're going to get a hug and a kiss and a cookie again and it's like wow this is great I love this I try and do this and and I get rewarded and I don't know how I'm not smart enough or a sociologist or psychologist or to tell you when it changes. But somewhere in your childhood, this changes. And suddenly we start rewarding people for their outcome and not the effort, which leads this whole ego thing to get in the way and stop people trying to do stuff that they're uncomfortable with. And yet, J.K. Rowling, Edison, Disney, none of these people and hundreds and hundreds of Thousands of people as well would not would not exist in our psyche if they weren't comfortable with failure. J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter, 42 publishers said this is terrible. Edison, 10,000 failures. Walt Disney, 302 banks to get Disneyland funded. None of yeah. these things would exist if they weren't comfortable with failure. And I think that is the number one thing people need to take away of just go and try it.
0: Yeah. Stop. I mean... <laughs> it's huge, it is huge to fail often, and very fast, and realize that, and I think what you are getting at is the reason there's an interesting relationship between a parent and a child, and what they want to do is they always want to protect them, so protecting them is making them normal, normal is walking, so you want to inspire them to walk, but when it goes out to the world, and it's, hey, you got a safe job, or go be an entrepreneur, it's like, I know the entrepreneur might cause you pain and I don't want to see you in pain. So it's, I'm supporting you, but I'm not supporting you because of that fact. And if you don't have the financial wherewithal to go, Hey, like you can drop on your belly 10 times and we'll pick you up. And then what that
1: then becomes is a fear when people look in the mirror and there's, there's this, I often like latch onto one piece of, behavioural psychology for weeks. And my current one is this, which I just find phenomenal. If you ask someone if they want to flip a coin and if it's heads, they get 10 bucks, if it's tails, they get nothing, or they can have five bucks, it's about 80, 90% of people will flip the coin for 10 or zero versus taking a safe five. However, if you give them the five bucks in advance, put it in their hand, and then ask them if they want to play the game heads or tails for the 10 bucks or zero, 90% of people will keep the five bucks that they've been given. But the end outcome of both of these scenarios was exactly the same. Like you had a 50-50 choice for 10 or zero or 100% choice for five. But simply by giving the $5 in advance, by literally putting it in their hand, the brain changes its
0: state to become loss averse I was just going to say that it feels like loss mm-hmm. while if, well, it if is. it's I not in your hands advice. you don't feel you don't it
1: make, if- you don't lose it so I think that this kind of is profoundly interesting in every wake of life and every single interaction because every single person that's, a, that's in business in fact every single person full stop but certainly in the space of business is an amateur psychologist whether they understand it or not Because what you're trying to do when you're trying to get a sale, when you're trying to get a promotion, when you're trying to get something 10% cheaper, is you're engaging in a a, a psychology war where you're trying to change the other person's mind to do something you want them to do. Yeah. So if you understand how the program that everybody's running is flawed, then you can understand how you can change that behavior. And hopefully you do it in integrous ways. But like. Coaching clients that I work with, every single coaching client, I'm like, give them the first month for free. Because they're not going to want it taken away from them. That's just human psychology. We don't want to yeah. lose something, so give it to them, so that you can take it if you need to. Uh, it's just, and it's, just, and as I said, I hope everyone applies this with integrity. But the the human brain is running on a flawed program, and. The, one of the things that I love is if I like do a starter's gun and we put you under an, a functional MRI,
2: Yeah,
1: the bit of your brain that lights up after your amygdala, which receives the first part of your signal, the next bit that lights up takes between, depending on your level of training, somewhere between 350 and 700 milliseconds. So it takes a third to seven tenths of a second for you to become aware that the gun was fired. Oh, wow. What that means is you're not living your life in real time. Yeah, is it? This conversation happened seven-tenths of a second ago, (laughs) right? So, like, you you perceive, like, if you're watching, like, a rerun of Friends on whatever, you know that that was filmed 10 years ago. You get that. And if you're watching professional sports, you know it was filmed 15 seconds ago or 10 seconds ago and it had broadcast time. But your entire life happened half a second ago. And your brain in that half a second is running on a whole set of pre-programmed patterns that it's learned over the years that you are not consciously aware of. And some of those conditioned behaviors are really, really useful. For example, a kid runs out in front of the car, I should put the brake on. That is a learned conditioned behavior. That's a great conditioned behavior. And the reason it's great is because when you learned it 20 years ago, the response has not changed 20 years later. It's still the right thing to do. However, what's bad is the trauma you went through with your first girlfriend, your first boyfriend, when a relative of yours passed away, when your best friend lied to you, when, 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 when. These things are learned behaviors that are very, very toxic because you end up operating next to those patterns without even realizing that you made that choice. You didn't make that choice. The 15-year-ago version of you made that choice for you because it's just…
0: Because you haven't healed yourself. You haven't overcame that.
1: Yeah, and it, I think that's why you, people spend so much money on personal development because that first unlock is self-awareness.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I I really like This is why I love it because I never know where the conversation is going to go with you, and it can go a multitude of directions, and it's always very interesting. I want to go back to the Ferrari point. Hmm. What is ways that you find yourself getting that dopamine hit of owning a Ferrari without owning the Ferrari? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So I think, and a lot of people, I think, will tell you the same thing on this. The number one is is gratitude. Right? you're again, I I like. And I, I accept that other people have different answers and slightly more divine-inspired answers, but my answers always come back to, like, biochemistry and what your brain is doing. And under, again, under an fMRI, f- functional magnetic resonance, da 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 you can't feel angry and grateful at the same time. It's It's physically impossible for your brain to feel those two things at the same time because they're different parts of the brain that have to operate to do that yeah but if you're in a state of gratitude it's physically impossible to to be to be upset with the world so what you do is you train your yourself your brain in times of non-stress you put these patterns in the ones we're talking about yeah and everything's going well put the patterns in so every dinner time um, me both my kids and my wife before we eat, say say three things that we're grateful for. And it, it can be literally I my my three year old son doesn't quite understand it conceptually yet. So he's normally grateful for the three things that were on his plate. But it doesn't really matter what it is that you're saying you're grateful for, because it's just putting your brain in a state
0: of gratitude. In which case um, you go into the dinner and you're more prepared and you're having a better dinner well, and, it's just really and, and it pushes you through.
1: Yeah, but it's also reinforcing to yourself in three years' time when something really goes wrong, you kind of just got this default behavior of looking for what's good in the world versus looking for what's bad in the world. You, Your brain only takes on about 2% of the stimulus in the world. You, you, you discard yeah. 98% of everything you perceive. Yeah. And your brain is looking for the things that it's been told to look for. So if you're in a state of depression or anxiety, or you believe everyone's out to get you or X, Y, Z person screwing you, you will find evidence that supports that fact. And if you're thinking the world is playing for you, and everything's fine, everything's going great, and there's opportunities everywhere, and there's love is in abundance, your brain is going to find the the things that reinforce that fact. So it's just training you to be in a better state when you're in a good place. So when you're in a bad place, that pattern is still in, in place.
0: Yeah. And that's such a huge concept because when people are good, they usually take it for granted. And when you're doing bad you just, that's when you start going to your gratitude, but you don't have your habits in place. So it's hard to break out of that. So I I love, yeah.
1: It's like, it's like a soldier. You don't train when you're in battle. <laughs> you, know, you you train before the battle so that when you get to the battle, you're like, yeah, okay, I know what I'm doing. This gunfire doesn't bother me anymore. All I've got to do is remember my training, keep my head down, and I'll be fine. You don't but in our lives, we don't apply that same or a lot of people don't apply that same mentality of okay, things are going well, so I'm gonna work on myself. Yeah. Like, the 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 multiplier effect you get of working on yourself. Affects your work, your relationships, your family. It affects everything if you are showing up as the best version of you. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm fatally flawed like everybody else. But my commitment is to trying to be my best self today.
0: And that, um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. But that's yeah. exactly what Edwards Consulting is all about and what the coaching is. It's mental health, physical health, community involvement, relationships, and spirituality. So it touches on all those pillars, and you have to realize that you're never going to be a 10 in all of those areas of your life. It's just impossible. But you might be good in some areas and you might need help in the others. But it's that readjustment time and realizing when you need to readjust. Yeah. yeah and
1: it's the, a very t- stereotypical argument in my house will go something like I lose my temper over something, or my wife loses her temper over something because we got two kids. So it's all a bit hectic. Yeah. And the other will turn around to the other and say, Have you eaten any broccoli today?
0: Oh, it's scotoma. They have no idea what you're talking Well, you no, we say it so
1: regularly, because I think that I think we are there's a, a saying that you know we're a divine being leading a physical life. Um yeah. and I would agree with that. But the physical body that we inhabit is still a very old machine it's it's not an evolved it's it's been around for millions of years yeah and i think if you haven't had some exercise eaten some vegetables drunk some water and had a good night's sleep i think that when you say oh my sister did this my did this or my friend just did, or all of those sentences i think you probably if you look at it and you score yourself on water vegetables sleep and movement, I think you'll find one of them is around a two out of 10. Because most people, if they're like an eight out of 10, like really basics, I'm not talking like, I'm talking like go for a walk every 15 minutes. I'm not talking about every hour. I'm not talking like huge things. Yeah. Your state changes to the stage where you go, okay, fair enough, all right. The thing still happened, the event still happened, the person still said whatever they said, but how you internalize it really, really changes.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with that cuz as as I've been traveling around the US I was in some of the car rides and I would not drink that much water because I didn't want to be pulling over constantly and when I didn't have water Jordan's not the friendliest guy. And I'm usually a friendly guy, but it's I it was a hard combination for me but I would get very when I'm dehydrated I don't operate at my highest self. So that's why everyone should be drinking water constantly.
1: Yeah, and it's like the, the easy my I have two hacks that I do for this. So the first one, and this one confused, I, I haven't found a good way to explain this yet. Yeah. I pretend I have decided that my day starts when I go to sleep, not ends when I go to sleep. So I still go to sleep at exactly the same time, right? Yeah. But everybody thinks like 7am is the beginning of the day,
2: right? Yeah.
1: And that sleep happens at the end of your day. Yeah. Well, I've decided that uh, my day starts with sleeping.
2: Okay.
1: Right, And the, what that changes, it sounds really ridiculous, but what it changes is if it's at the end of your day, you'll always cut into it. You'll go, uh, you know, I'll stay up for half an hour and watch that film, or yeah. I need to do an extra hour's worth of work, or yeah. I want to go out with my friend. Whatever it is, you'll do it, and your sleep will go from eight hours to seven and a half to seven to six. Yeah, Because it's the filler at the end of your day. Yeah. Whereas if you say, okay, to prepare for my day, to be my best self, I need six hours sleep, and it's the first thing you do, you you find yourself going to bed at the same time to get the amount of sleep you need to be able to function for the rest of the day. That's interesting.
0: I, I'm still like, the reason I was looking away is because I'm thinking about it. It's crazy. And, and it's a crazy thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but literally, I think my day starts at midnight. Okay. And the first thing I do, not the last thing I do. Because sleep, like if you don't sleep for expanding days, you 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 die. Like it yeah. is quite important. Yeah. So why would you make it the the lowest class citizen in your day? Which is essentially if you're making it last, you're always gonna eat into it. Yeah. Whereas if you make it first, you go, okay, fair enough. So that's the hack number one, which is really weird. I get and I people look at me and go, You're crazy. It's interesting. Like, it's interesting. It's a different way of framing it for your mind. The second one is I have an alarm that goes off every four hours, um, and every four hours I go and walk my dog for 20 minutes, drink half a liter of water, um, have some protein, um, and that achieves the movement, the hydration, and the nutrition in one go. So every 15 and again, it's not at the end of the four hours, it's at yeah. the beginning of the yeah. four hours. So I, So I go, okay. Right, we're about to enter the next block, the next four hours. And that's whether it's work or personal. Whatever I'm doing, it'll be, okay, 15. So prepare myself for the next four hours. Take myself out of the scenario. Go for a walk so I can get a little bit of distance from my world and look at my world again. And I always come back you know, two, three, four times more productive than when I left. So the 15 minutes never actually cost me because I'm far more productive on the other side of
0: it. Um, Yeah. And I think that's, that's a huge one because it's so simple and it also allows you to have your day be separate days. So you could have four days in one day theoretically, because each one's a four hour period. This one's I'm doing a podcast with Jordan. Then I'm having dinner with my family. Then I'm doing this, like whatever that
1: another opportunity to go. Okay. I didn't quite get that right. Um, so it's another reset. Every four hours is another reset to go, okay, that didn't, I'm, I'm not being productive. I didn't work. Um, if I'm not being productive, I'll stop working. Um, yeah. I won't work unproductively. I'd rather shut down and go and relax or go and exercise or go and read or have a nap um, so that I'm always hyper-intentional when I'm doing the thing I want to do. Uh, I think that the world of personal development has been made... And not necessarily deliberately, but it's been made very complex in order to be as sellable as it needs to be. I think and I think that's the same with everything. Like yeah. weight loss is really as simple as, you know, eat less, move more. Yeah. Um, but that wouldn't be a very successful book. But that would actually be the right book, like just eat less, move more, and just can every week eat a little bit less, move a bit more until you get a steady weight loss and just carry on doing that and that's it. Um, I think personal development has been made into this really complex thing. And I really don't think it is that complex. I think it's carve out the time to meditate. And my definition of meditation is, again, really weird. I I think you can meditate whilst you're playing on on an Xbox. I think to me, meditation just means checking out of reality um, and allowing your brain to go in a different way. And if you're playing a game that you play regularly, you're not actually fully engaged with it. You're not really thinking about it. Yeah. Like If I play FIFA on easy mode, I'm not really yeah. thinking about what I'm doing yeah. and my brain will go in a different direction. Um, commit to reading one book a week that isn't um, something you'd normally read. Another good one. Um, spend about 20 minutes a week listening to somebody you very much disagree with everything they say. Um, wow, that's interesting. Everybody has Everybody, and I, I think it is absolutely everybody, there is a kernel of truth in what they say that if you can get past your abhorrence of the message that they're giving, yeah. there is something in it. And understanding other people's perspectives, I don't think you can be selective in that decision. I think you have to say, okay, I, I welcome all, all humanity and I agree, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to hear
0: what you're saying. Um. It helps your listening skills because a lot of every single argument is one person trying to explain to another person what they're doing. In which case, they never sit there and go, "I could have worked on this." That's how to diffuse any argument, and that's the same thing with listening to opinions that you don't agree with. You just try to shut them out and come up with reinforcing ideas. Well, if you just openly listen, there's a lot more you can take from it.
1: Yeah, and you get uh, and it'll it'll bubble different parts of your brain. Every dog walk um, is prefaced with the question, what if, insert blank, isn't true? Um, Can like, you give a sample? Yeah. Um, I was working with a client today who wants to set a coaching program at $20,000, um, and I felt that they couldn't sell it for $20,000. I didn't think the value stacked up, and I was arguing in favor or presenting yeah. that opinion. So I went for a dog walk and said, "What if that isn't true? What would the world look like if I'm wrong?
2: Yeah. What it would look
1: like this, 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 and this." And then you go, "Okay, actually, that is actually that is actually right." Okay, I'm going to abandon that viewpoint and take that viewpoint. Um, and I think it's a really a really useful tool, tool. to say, "What if my belief of X?" was wrong. How would the world look if um, I don't believe, for example, COVID is a conspiracy theory? Right. So that's a, that's good, a good example. And I'm, again, yeah. I'm not trying to get political with anyone, that's yeah. just my belief, and I welcome other people to have a different belief. But if I will therefore go into, when I go and walk the dog and say, what if I'm wrong? What if COVID is a conspiracy theory? How would that manifest in the world if that was true? And my answer is if yeah. that was true, I believe somebody would have with an inside track. I, I don't think you can keep a secret. So I think somebody would know. Um, yeah. So, it, and you can use it literally for anything. Like, what if I don't need to drive from A to B? What if I don't? And this is how Airbnb launched a hotel company without owning any hotels. This is and how it helps
0: you make solutions and you yeah. think about the world in a different way. And that, you bring up this it brings you back to the solution point where peter spends most of his time on the solution even when he doesn't even have the problem he's still thinking about the solution
1: 100 percent, and i it can last for like years like like (laughs) if i don't understand something and i can't see the why and it's just been like a, a brain training exercise like the UK once announced they were going to light all the highways, all the motorways. They were going to put lamps down all the motorways, and I sat there and went, "Why? Why? Why now? Why are they doing it? What? It, what? Why? I don't get it." Yeah, we've got lights on the cars. Why? And it turned out that we had a deal to sell electricity to France. France built nuclear power stations. When those power stations came online, they didn't need to buy our surplus electricity. And surplus electricity costs a lot of money to get rid of. Like really that's really expensive. So, but we needed it in the day, but you don't need it in the night. So we built we lighted highways to to do it. So everything has a what everything, everything somebody says, everything they do, everything a company does manifests itself in an in intentionality, whether it's conscious or subconscious, everything was done for a reason. And that's why I spend so much time on the word why, why did that happen? Because when you unlock those, you're unlocking that solution mindset, because then you can do it in reverse. You can say, well, I've got this problem, well, how am I going to manifest it? And there's, does there are, there are 12 ways every single person that hears this can make more money in the next four hours. There the, the just is. yeah. Any unutilized asset that you have has a way to make you, to progress you somehow. Yeah. Um, and it's you just start looking at the world differently when you see everything as an opportunity. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. You're absolutely right. I spend literally 90% of my life trying to figure out what the problem is why that problem came about and how to solve it. And some things can take five seconds and some things can take five years and I have no way to turn it off.
0: Yeah, but it's a great mind state because instead of sitting there complaining about the problem, which is a majority of people, you sit there and provide answers and provide solutions. As soon as you said that, I thought there was too many car crashes on the highway. That was my first solution thought. Uh
1: But and the reason I said that is because it didn't get done the day before, and it didn't get done the day before. So why was that day? Yeah. Why was it announced? Because politicians are some of the most intentional people in the world. They don't do any. Again,
0: yeah. the Human capital is gone. They're making. And they just want to. They just want to get reelected or whatever it is. Yeah. I so completely yeah, yeah, agree. And I think
1: that, accept, challenge your own knowingness. Um, challenge everything you know to be true aside from the fact the sun arrives tomorrow and your family loves you and you love them. Leave those out of it. Everything else, ask yourself if it's really true. Um, yeah. And that's how Facebook now exists. Um, that's how Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos, when he announced his business plan at the International Books Impact, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a big book show, um, he got laughed off stage. Yeah. Um, Right. When the guy that founded Amazon presented Amazon, he got laughed at because everybody said, that's ridiculous. You can't do that.
0: It um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't conceivable to them.
1: Yeah, And uh, every single major leap forward starts with somebody going, A, why? And B, I'm not going to accept that this is true. What does the world look like if it isn't true? And you'll often find it doesn't look as ridiculous as you thought it did.
0: Yeah. And... So I would say action steps from here for the audience is definitely sit down and come up with three things you're grateful for, and figure out why you've been in this pattern and why you need to change and what what you can do for yourself to change. Well, like the world doesn't always look at the viewpoint you've had it forever. It's okay to change views. That's cool. It's actually insightful and it helps. Hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And go fail. And eat some broccoli.
0: Oh, and eat. And then real quick, what is, <laughs> you love the broccoli one. <laughs>
1: <Hey>. <laughs> what? I'll tell you why I like it. right? And it's what you said earlier. What I like is the fact that we have, we we incorrectly believe that the size of the problem and the size of the solution are symmetrical and they almost never are. Yeah, The, the size of the problem is almost always bigger than the solution that needs to be enacted to fix it. So we have huge problems. Uh, we all have huge problems. We all have traumas. We all have things that don't go away. But if you believe that the solution is going to be as big as the problem, it stops you taking action. Yeah. So my eat broccoli thing is just literally, it's, it's a bit playful, but it's a reminder that drinking water, eating broccoli, being grateful, saying thank you, being plight. Like these tiny little things are such little effort. Yeah. But, Give such a large return that, and I don't want people to get caught up in the the big stuff and the big solutions yeah. before they've tackled the easy stuff. I'm inherently lazy. I like doing. I feel, I feel, I feel very good. Let's go and drink some water. Let's do that before I consider twelve thousand dollars of therapy. Yeah, it's, just, it's a bit cheaper to buy a bottle of water than it is to go to a therapy session. So let's yeah. try that first. Oh, look, I feel great. Okay, brilliant. I can carry on.
0: Yeah, I mean it's so true. Everyone's just gotta step out of the moment. People are really in the moments now and a lot of people aren't even getting outside and it's so easy to go. There he is with the water bottle. I love it. I just said it and I'm like, <laughs> I should drink some water. So, Peter, I know we're a little bit past the time. What is magic on tap and where can people find you?
1: So magic on tap is yeah, digitally we have a free clinic every
0: Thursday um at five PM Eastern. I've been there. It's incredible. Thank you. Peter does not spare. He, he gives you all the answers. He tells you what you need to know. So it's definitely something worth going to.
1: Yeah, if anyone does anything in digital marketing themselves, I would, I would strongly recommend it because we take questions from strategy to SEO to social. Any question that is in the realm of digital marketing, we will commit to answering it um, for free live. Um, and then we have a paid mastermind Um, that is every Tuesday, um, which has a couple of the free clinic with a couple of other nice little additions. There's a bat phone. Um, It hasn't got a better name yet. So we're calling it the bat phone for the moment, which is essentially the the ability to ask questions on the clinic, but 24 seven, 365. So you can literally record a question into a video and you'll get an answer within 24 hours. Oh, wow. Um, So anybody that's doing anything digital marketing, what we've found is lots of people can't afford the 50, 100 K digital agency. Yeah. So doing stuff themselves which is great or they're employing somebody that's more of an execution resource than a strategy yeah. resource but they still need the knowledge and finesse that comes with the fact that we've done it for so long
2: yeah
1: so it's a, a very affordable it's like 500 a month um for that service so literally yeah. we will sit on top of any kind of company and go do that do that don't do that this yeah. is how you do that this is how you do that um and then obviously the more traditional digital marketing agency um, for, for larger clients. So yeah, it's www.magiconTap.com.
0: Peter, I appreciate you. And I'm grateful that you were came on my show today. Likewise. And thank you so much. I, as I said,
1: I really appreciate it. I've listened to some of your other episodes and I was uh, honored to be asked. It really makes it makes a difference. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there. And have a great day. And keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there. And have a great day. And keep clocking in.